The world is a fearful place. We are surrounded by people and things that would do us harm. Some walk among us every day, while others lurk in the shadows, a threat unknown. Join us as we discuss all of the things that frighten us most, from the paranormal and unknown, to the true and horrific crimes committed by our very own kind. With Matt Knapp and Lauren Smith on, on Planet, Planet Fear. Fear. Did you sleep with a nightlight when you were little? I think my mom cracked the door and left the hall light on. So you had a light on? Yeah. Honestly, I slept with my mom until I was like 18 years old. So also in my defense. But yeah, when I slept in my bed, I totally had a nightlight. When you were... uh, (laughs) So when you were little Lauren with the bow in your hair and teddy bear tucked under your arm. I slept in my parents' bed. You slept in your parents' bed. I'm sure they appreciated that. They were divorced when I was one, so... Oh, okay. Well, then that's really weird that they were still... <laughs> no, I slept in like each oh, parent's bed. Oh, individually. Okay. Continue. Okay. What were you afraid of? Well, when I was little, I could see things that other people, normal people don't see. Um, so I was scared of a lot of different things. Do you remember telling an adult? Yeah. Who did you tell? I told my mom. And what did she say? She comforted me, but you know... Other parents would comfort you just to get you back to sleep. My mom comforted me because she had always seen them, too. Wow. That's interesting. You and I have never had this conversation. We really haven't. No, I've we not, really I, haven't. I haven't told you any of that. And I, and I told you that I wanted to kind of yeah. keep a lot of stuff away from you uh, yeah. until we started recording. Yep. So Same. Uh, in our beautiful, luxurious recording studio that we're in. It is beautiful. Uh, in this house. Yes. This is where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was haunted the entire time. Is haunted. Was. Is. We're, we're going with was. No, it still um, is. People experienced things here before I was ever born. However, after I started living here, I don't remember what happened to trigger all of this, but there was two back bedrooms, my bedroom and then a guest room. I would not sleep in my bedroom. Something freaked me out. I remember that I would have my grandmother, or my grandparents raised me, uh, come in there and she would read to me and lay in bed with me until I was asleep, and then she would go to bed. If I woke up, I hauled ass in there, woke her up, you know, like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. And uh, she would come and get me back to bed and everything. But eventually it got so bad that I had to be moved to the other bedroom. I was fine in the other bedroom. The weird thing about that is I, too was seeing things and experiencing things that I knew weren't right, but I couldn't really wrap my head around it. And like you, I went to my maternal figure, my grandmother, and I tried talking to her about it and asking her about it. And her way of comforting me was by telling me that those were just guardian angels (laughs) looking after me and not to worry about them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And if I was scared by them, just to let them know to go away and that they would go away. How'd that work out for you? It didn't work out very well. (laughs) Um, But the other interesting note about that is the room that I was afraid of was not the room that I should have been. Mm. Whenever I was born, there was five generations alive at once. And my great, great grandmother was living out her final days in this house 
and she passed away whenever I was about one and a half. It was right after I started walking. This is what I'm told. I don't remember any of it, but she actually passed away in the bedroom and in the bed that would become my bedroom and my bed in the room that I wasn't afraid to sleep in. And at night, I would hear footsteps Mm -hmm. coming down the hallway, expecting it to be one of my grandparents going to the bathroom, which was next to my bedroom. So I'd open my eyes and look, you know, down the little short hallway going to the bathroom, waiting for them to turn the corner. Mm -hmm. Only the footsteps were the only thing that turned the corner. And then the footsteps would continue into my bedroom and sit down at the end of my bed. And I'd feel the depression as someone sat there. And there was a couple times whenever you could even like, you know, I brought other people in there like, look, <laughs> somebody's been sitting on my bed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there was quite a bit of activity in that room. And I always assumed that it was my great, great grandmother mm-hmm. uh, keeping tabs on me. But I don't know. But it's interesting that as a child, you were experiencing things mm-hmm. and coming to realize that there was something about you that was kind of different than I guess your friends or other people so much (laughs) but I grew up with a mother that was a paranormal investigator and then a Bigfoot researcher and you know so I grew up with a mother that was always into the weird stuff Mm -hmm. and always weird and I was raised weird Um, and I had to keep that to myself for a very long time because people just don't understand that normal people don't understand the weird as well as I do so what was normal to me or, you know, the things that would be weird to normal people weren't weird to me. So I would see things all the time and I wouldn't really think anything about them. And like even to this day, if I see something odd, unless it's violent or scary, I don't think much about it. I don't. And and it's kind of affected me to the point where I can think back now as an adult to times when I would see figures and, and be playing and have something watching me or playing with me that was not it wasn't mean and it wasn't malicious or malevolent right but it wasn't supposed to be there i just didn't i honestly it wasn't weird to me it was just how it was and i didn't think anything about it and the only times that really stick out in my head are times that were violent or scary and to this day when i whether i am dealing with spirits or out in the woods looking for bigfoot the only times that stick out are ones that shook me when my first violent encounter, I, I was so young. I don't even know how old I was. I had to be five or under. And I was taking a nap on the couch with my dad. And I woke up and there were these two figures standing beside the couch. And I've only told this story once in my entire life. And I can't even describe what they looked like. Um, you... I mean, people listening, I don't know if they can hear it in your voice, but I'm sitting here across from you and your eyes are like welling up with tears right now. I mean, it was, (laughs) it was terrifying because I was so little and I think I have a four-year-old at home and if, if something happened to him, first of all, I would want to rip whatever it was apart for touching my child. But second, I wouldn't ever want him to not be able to tell me. And my dad is, I love him to death, but he's not like my mom Mm. and I couldn't tell him these things. And anyway, I woke up. This thing is standing, these two things are standing beside the couch. And I had seen them before, like my whole life. And they were, they look like they had long straw colored fur. They were, okay, here's what I call them in my head. They're mini Sasquatches. They were like these little, they were 
maybe three foot tall figures. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember what their faces looked like, but I remember they had long, blonde, straw colored hair. Anyway, the dad one was standing next to the kid one. And when I woke up and looked at them, I got excited because I had seen them before. I knew what who they were or what they were or whatever. And the dad reached out and slapped me across the face. Wow. And I remember pulling back and just like putting my hand up next to my face and I rolled over and buried my face in my dad's chest. And then I don't know how much time passed and I woke up. And I remember waking up and my face still hurt. And that's how I knew it wasn't a dream. And I I remember waking up and I was kind of, I woke myself up crying, I guess. I was just laying there kind of sniffling and whimpering. And then my dad, you know, woke up and just kind of patted me and, you know, and I wasn't about to tell him what was going on because, you know, he wasn't my mom. He wasn't maternal and, you know, um, comforting. So, you know, nothing wrong with my dad. He was a great parent, but he's a dad, you know, mothers are more comforting. But I had seen them before and I and but I don't have any other memories of them except for one I and I don't I just remember bits and pieces of them being around and there were lights and police cars outside but I don't remember what happened. Wow. It's just, you know, bits and pieces, yeah. fragmented memory of when you were little anyway, but I do remember those things and I remember them slapping me and I just remember or thinking about it now, I just get so upset because, you know, my kids have had interactions with, you know, spirits or other things. And, and I tell them, you know, you tell me the minute this happens, don't lay in your bed scared and too scared to come tell me you find a way to tell me you make, I always leave them a baby monitor in their Mm -hmm. room. And my oldest is eight and we still have a baby monitor so that I can hear them. And I said, you make noise and I will come get you and we will make this place safe again. Don't you even worry. I the last thing I want is for my children to lay in their beds terrified and not feel like they can tell me. It's the last thing I want. I spent a lot of nights laying in bed terrified mm-hmm. of what might have. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm not trying to make this a religious topic mm-hmm. by any means, but I, I, I do uh, practice prayer mm-hmm. daily. And uh, my praying started uh, whenever I was a little kid. Praying not to experience anything and just let me sleep through the night mm-hmm. because it was yeah. almost nightly. The Lord's Prayer that yeah. got me through. Yeah, I can't even tell you how many instances where I would have to say the Lord's Prayer over and over and over and over until the bad feeling went away. Now, I never had anything violent happen to me, but my uncle, whenever he was a kid, was staying the night here before I was ever born or conceived or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was asleep in the living room on a pallet next to the fireplace. And uh, he woke up to a man uh, on top of him choking him. And he's trying to scream for his sister, which was my mom, who was laying on the couch. But he's being choked. He can't Mm -hmm. get out anything. And he's like looking up at this guy's face above him. And he said it wasn't anybody he recognized. He could see like the ripples of the flame in the fireplace like glowing on the guy's face Mm -hmm. and he kind of like shifted his eyes downward and he said there wasn't anything there it was just a face and the feeling of hands around my throat pressing down on me and the guy was like smiling at him as he was doing it and he started thrashing around trying to get free and he said he heard my mom shuffling around on the couch face dissipates gone sensation of being choked gone he jumps up holding his throat gasping for air and my mom sits up real fast and she's like 
what's going on? What's going on? You know, like, mm-hmm. and uh, that was probably the the only violent thing that's ever occurred in this house that I that I know about. Now, it should be mentioned that Matt's house is one of the historic homes of Tulsa. Um, so it is an older home. And so there's no telling what was here before his family came to own the home. <laughs> yeah. Or what happened in the over the years in the homes around his home. Yeah. The, the scariest thing I ever experienced here, and it's probably at the top of my list of everything that I've experienced in my mm-hmm. life. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it right now. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it happened outside uh, the house, and it definitely <laughs> wasn't anything connected to the house. It was just a really weird experience. And I actually had a best friend that was here with me at the time that experienced it right along with me. Mm-hmm. We were well into our 20s. You know, nobody's imagination. <laughs> Nothing like that. He won't talk about it either. I might be able to get him to come on the show and we'll tell the story sometime. But uh, I don't know if he will or not. I mean, he's still... I just talked to him last week and he's still like... Every time we talk, he brings it up. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it was just one of those things. I I can't even explain. I haven't even ran across any paranormal stories from other people that are like this. So I I don't know what to think of it. Yeah. Um, but it terrified me in my 20s, and yeah. I'm a big dude. And uh, <laughs> uh, we actually met through the Bigfoot world. I went out hunting mm-hmm. for Bigfoot, too. Yeah. So growing up with ghosts and stuff, they don't really scare me that much mm-hmm. anymore. But this terrified me, for sure. But I've had lots of little experiences in the house. Um, me, too. Which is weird, because... Okay, so let me tell you guys about the first time I ever came over to Matt's house. So I came over here for the first time. This was what, maybe a month ago? Yeah. And uh, Matt, I've known Matt since I was about 13 years old, but Matt doesn't know much about me, um, about me being able to see or feel things or anything like that. And so I come over to his house. I'm sitting on the couch talking to him and his friend. And I said something about spirits and how, although I can feel them or I don't even think I said that. I think I said something about I'm not interested in looking for spirits, only Bigfoot, Mm. um, because when you leave the woods, Bigfoot stays in the woods. Spirits do not. So I'm not a fan. But I said nothing against spirits. And I looked towards the corner of the room and apologized. And um Matt and his friend looked at each other and they both started quizzing me on why I said it and why I said it that direction. And I tried to play it off because I realized how weird it probably looked and that I didn't mean to draw attention to myself. And um, anyway, they finally got it out of me. And I said, you know, there's a presence in the corner of the room over there. And apparently the friend had seen this is why I say was haunted and not is haunted because no, I, but it, it's weird for me. It's weird. Okay. It well, changes it okay. changes things when you know the spirit. It does. Okay. So the friend had seen an apparition of an older woman in the home and I did not know this. And um, he then later on picked up a picture frame in the corner where I had been looking and this is before I came over and it was the woman, which is Matt's deceased grandmother. And that is where I looked to apologize to the spirit that was there. And again, I had no idea that Matt's grandmother had owned this place or ever lived here or anything like that. This was my first time being over here and first time really linking back up with Matt from when I was younger. Yeah. So 
That's why I said is instead of was. He had never seen a picture of my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Now, whenever he was here and saw the apparition, uh, that was the first time he had ever seen anything. And he's been into the paranormal for years Mm -hmm. uh, as an investigator in the field. And he had never witnessed anything. And then he comes here and he sees something and he's like, oh, my God, you were telling the truth. Like, I can't believe it. But he had never seen a picture of her Mm -hmm. until he was sitting on the couch. We were waiting for you to get here. This was the same night? Yes. I thought this was like... No, we were waiting for you to get here. (laughs) And he jumps up and walks across the room and picks up that picture that's in the corner Uh of my grandparents. And he said, is this your grandma in this picture? And like I could tell by the look on his face... You know, like, I was like, yeah, that's her. He's like, this is the woman I saw in your hallway. This is her. And like, he's like, his eyes are all bugged out. You know, you could tell he's getting excited. And I was like, yeah, that's her. He's like, I've never seen her before. I didn't know what she looked like. We talk about that. He relives the experience again. Mm -hmm. You know, like we so often do. We end up telling the stories over and over again. Right. Then like 30 minutes later, you show up here. And then about 15 minutes after that, you're like, no offense to you. <laughs> you could tell that it wasn't like you just kind of blurted it out. Yeah. It, I, was, it wasn't like, you know, the end of a conversation or anything. And that's the punchline. I kept trying to change the subject. Yeah. And you would not let no, it go. Like no. I kept tra- you were like, who were you talking to? Because all of that had just happened. Yeah. Oh, OK. That makes much more sense because you were like, what? No. Why did you look over there? And why did you say yeah. it like that? Like I was being interrogated and I kept trying to change the subject. I'm like, I just said it just because I don't know. <laughs> like I tried to play it off and change the subject so bad. But then I ended up telling you. That's crazy. I didn't know that happened that night. Y'all made it sound like it had not happened recently or something. But it makes sense because he was staying here. So this is when it happened. Right. That's crazy. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) Glad we had this chat. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's just a taste, I guess you would call it, of Uh why you and I are doing this show. Yeah. I mean, so we're obviously into the weird and scary. I have had so many paranormal encounters or just frightening encounters that I will tell at a later date. UFO encounter, uh, Bigfoot encounters. You know, I've been doing that since I was 13 years old. So, you know, 20 years I've been doing that. That's just crazy to me (laughs) because, I mean, whenever I met you, that was my first actual trip out into the field. It's just I I was actually friends with your mom is the whole deal. So you're basically saying that I went out before you did. You did. Wow. You did. Out into the field. I feel so special. <laughs> and uh, Look at that. I was 23. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I went out before you. And you were 13. Yeah, I'm so much cooler, But I obviously. can't imagine <laughs> the, the experience of everything. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. And I'm in my early 20s bugging out over it. Yeah. I can't imagine like being a kid out there with all these like older people. I mean, your mom was in it. She was in it. She Hardcore. was in it. Hardcore. Like, like no matter well how known. frightening it was, <laughs> we were out there yeah. to the point where there were a couple of times I wanted to go hide in the car. I was terrified. But There were times when your mom would tell me stories <laughs> and I would be like, wait, who was there? And she was like, uh, just me. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you? Yeah. And like, this was your role model. 
<laughs> yeah, and guess who I grew up to be? That one that tramps off into the darkness by yeah. herself to confront the creatures. Giant or monsters. Camps by herself or hikes by herself. Yeah, I do all those things. And I, um, I told her, I said, she scared the stupid out of me. She scared the fear out of me. Now I don't have any left. And I just go tramp off into the darkness. Unless it is a paranormal event. And then you see Lauren get scared. I get nervous. What scares you about the paranormal? Things that I don't like to talk about after dark. You do have to drive all the way home by yourself at night. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about when I'm laying in my bed later and it's three o'clock in the morning, which is like not a good time for me historically. I'm laying there and I start feeling like I am being attacked like I have so many times before. Um, That is the stuff I'm scared of. I will tell you, you asked me earlier, you asked me what I'm afraid of Mm -hmm. and what scares me. Um, Spiders. Yeah. Geese or birds of any kind. I don't really like birds. Chickens. Amen, sister. Um, (laughs) Clothing racks at Walmart poking my eyes out. People touching my belly button. And demonic possession. I mean, those are some pretty basic things that often get lumped together. (laughs) You know, especially touching the belly button and demonic possession. Those go together really well. Very well. Peanut butter and jelly. Demonic possession, which is why I don't mess with the paranormal or just possession in general. I don't watch possession movies. I don't, I can't, um, they're not allowed in my house. I will not sit in a room while you watch them. That, That's so weird to me. That stuff is a little, that hits a little too close to home and it's a little bit too real to me and I cannot do it. It's funny to me. That stuff has never bothered me to watch. Now, if I was off in the middle of some creepy little town and some little kid was like floating off their bed. (laughs) Yeah, it freaked me out. But a lot of people, whenever it comes to like horror movies, those are the movies that scare them the most. The demonic possession movies and things about the devil and demons and evil entities. Well, I mean, in my defense, I'm I'm a... um, I will just go ahead and admit I'm a control freak and like the worst kind. So... (laughs) might have something to do with it but also i just think that my history um it it just hits too close to home so yeah the other aspect of this show yes because you know the weird chasing monsters in the dark i'm so excited can you see me like i'm so excited right now (laughs) that's not enough i know what's coming True crime. True crime. Yes. Give me all the murder, all the bloody, gory, horrible things. I love all of the things. Whenever I'm stressed out or I can't sleep or anything like that, y'all, I watch true crime documentaries on YouTube and it lulls me to sleep. I am aware that I have something missing in my brain that normal people have. Am I safe right now? Like, probably not. (laughs) I've probably fantasized about three different ways to kill you. Not fantasized, but, you know, planned because you always have to have a plan, right? But I don't think so. (laughs) I mean, I think so. Self-defense, you know, in these days and times, the girls got to be careful. But honestly, like I just I love true crime and I love murder and serial killers and all those weird, horrible, gory things that normal people are not supposed to like. I love it. Now, it makes it, it. Am I probably a little bit more paranoid than most people? 
Yes. So recently, let me tell you this. So whenever I go out into the woods, I can go out alone and I will sleep in a tent or a hammock and I'm fine. If a bear comes up, a Bigfoot, a mountain lion, a hog, a raccoon, whatever, I'm not really that afraid. But if a human walks up, I am bloody terrified. I get, I I sweat, I shake. I mean, I am on high alert. So when you ask me what I'm afraid of, all of those things, yes. But the thing that terrifies me more than demonic possession or someone touching my belly button is humans. Because humans are freaking terrifying. The things that they will do to each other for no reason sometimes or for reasons that make no sense. That is the most terrifying thing on this planet. You experienced something. Um, sure did. Somewhat recently. Yeah. Where you took the plunge, uh, did something a lot of people disagree with. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, putting it so lightly. <laughs> and now this is something, I mean, you know, this is an entirely separate topic, unrelated, but you are a female. Mm-hmm. And this has nothing to do with being female. This is something that men shouldn't do either. You Nobody say shouldn't. Should. It's ugh. this is in, where we beg to differ. In darling. my opinion, oh no, you should always use the buddy system when you go camping. But you don't get as much activity Bigfoot wise with the buddy system, and it was a rite of passage. Okay, going. So I did a solo camp out. I took my dog. I hiked into an area and I set up camp um, by myself. Now I did tell someone where I was. Okay. And I told the person, and my husband knew, but I told the person, um, if you don't hear from me by noon tomorrow, call in the dogs, right? And I did this solo camp. I hiked up, set up camp. I built a fire. My dog and I just hung out. We cooked dinner. We ate. We explored, took pictures. It was beautiful. I mean, it, it was so wonderful and quiet and peaceful, and it was just me and my dog, JD. And... um so later on, I went and got in bed and I was laying there with JD and all night, all I could think to myself was how addictive this piece was and how like independent and confident I felt like I had survived. I had done all of this not survived. That sounds so dramatic, but like I had fended for myself like I did all of this. Um, throughout the night, I heard different wildlife popping off. I had my audio recorder set up because Bigfoot. Anyway, my dog, he would alert silently throughout the night when something got too close to camp. And then he only barked once and it was a raccoon or something in camp that took off when he started barking. And um, I mean, just it was so peaceful. And then about four, thir- four in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, I wake up to what I thought was, you know, when a tree breaks and crashes over, it sounds like a gunshot. Mm-hmm. And then, right? That's what I thought I heard. I thought a tree had broken and crashed over. Now, for those of you who aren't well-versed in Bigfoot, sometimes that can mean a Bigfoot is around. I was, I had been waiting all night for Bigfoot activity, and it, I had heard coyotes, everything. I was half asleep, and so I was still on the Bigfoot line of thought, and I didn't tell this on my show. 
But I thought maybe a Bigfoot was attacking people and they were shooting at it. I was half asleep. Wow. Okay. In my, I know, right? Like, that was so much more exciting than what actually happened. And it's going to die next to my campfire. <laughs> like, I'm, there's going to be a body, like maybe a lot of bodies of like humans, but maybe I can get to the Bigfoot, whatever. I'm listening to this. I hear um, something else that was loud that I later found out was like crackling um, when the glass blew out. Anyway, then I hear slashing tires and I'm like, oh my God. These people are shooting at and vandalizing my vehicle, and I can hear it. Your way of escape. My way of escape. And I was like, okay, it's just a car. It's not a very nice car either. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to lay here until morning, let them do what they're going to do, and then I'll hike out to the road and I'll call for help. And then I got to thinking, what if they come looking for the owner of the car? Mm-hmm. And my campsite was well hid. I was hid behind these um, big, big rock formations and like in this little channel between the rocks. Um, I was using it as a windbreak, but also I wanted to be behind the rocks because people, I, didn't, I don't trust people not to randomly shoot off across the river into the woods or whatever because mm-hmm. people. So I had put my camp behind these rocks because I didn't want to get shot at accidentally. Them not know I was up there. Also, I wanted to be hidden from people just in case they look and somehow saw my camp, right? I'm a single female. I don't want to die or be messed with. I start thinking, what if they know these ridges better than me? And what if they come up here looking for the owner of that car? So I'm laying there and I am shaking like a leaf. I mean, head to toe tremors. I've never been that scared in my life in any situation I've ever been in in my life. I was terrified. I mean, to the point where my stomach was really, really upset and I thought, there was going to be bigger problems than, you know, potentially being raped and murdered. Right. Right. So, um, and the whole time this is happening, my dog is trying to jump out of the hammock. Like he does not (laughs) like gunshots. He's not a fan. So I'm like holding him. I mean, in a full bear hug. Now he's 15 pounds. Like he's not, Yeah. let's let's be clear. This isn't a pit bull. (laughs) This is not like a pit bull. Like he's a rat terrier mix, (laughs) but he was like lunging out of the hammock and I'm wrapped up in my sleeping. It was 20 degrees by the way. So this was in February. Yeah, It was cold. It was 20 degrees. There was frost on everything, you know, and that was my happy place though. That's what I love to camp in alone. I know I'm weird. So anyway, I'm holding him and he's lunging and lunging and I'm holding him and I'm like, oh my God, like what if they come up here and I can, the thing is, so I was camped like a few ridges above where I had parked, right? Because Mm -hmm. I had originally hiked way back in there and then I was like, you know, for my first solo, I need to be closer to my car in case something happens. I didn't realize what happened was going to be at my car. I thought it'd be, you know, like a Bigfoot chasing me down the ridges, but no, no humans, of course. Anyway. I'm laying there holding him and I'm shaking. I'm sick. I'm just, I'm, I'm praying the entire time. I'm like, God, if you get me out of this, I will never go look for Bigfoot again. And I will never, I will never go camping again. I regret everything. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, just, Oh God, I think I, I apologized for every sin I had ever committed in my life. It was, it was some you hadn't. (laughs) Exactly. It was lengthy, man. Um, so then I, I can hear them walking down the ridges, I can hear them because the sound had amplified up. Everything in the woods is just amplified. It was so amplified. And so I I hear them walking through the leaves and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Here they come. And I'm like, if I see lights, like what am I going to do? I pulled the sleeping bag over my head and I had not had signal like that entire time, like maybe one bar every now and then walking towers and all that. And I pull out my phone and I text the person that I had let know where I was. And he lived near there, but like 30 minutes away, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I text him and I said, I think someone's vandalizing my car. I said, it's 430 in the morning. They cannot be up to any good. Please call the sheriff. Immediately, the red receipt said red. 
he texts back and he said, I've called the sheriff. I'm on my way. It's 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, how? Oh, my God. That I had signal that he was awake yeah. or, you know, whatever. Turns out he had had the phone next to his ear in case I needed something. Wow. And the minute it went off, he grabbed it and looked at it. What a blessing. I know. So I'm like, OK, sheriff's on their way. He's on their way. And then I'm laying there and I'm like, each one of those is 30 minutes away. This is going to be the longest 30 minutes of my life, right? Yeah. So much can happen in that time. So I pulled my feet out, put my boots on, and then I laid there with JD, and I had my gun on my chest and my phone and JD, and I'm like, if I see headlamps or I hear any footsteps close to me, I'm going to get out of this hammock. I'm going to go on the rocks above my camp and hide behind the rocks, and I'm going to shoot off, shoot and pick off every single person that comes into this camp because I'm not going to be a sitting duck. Right. That's the last thing I'm going to do. They're going to die because if it's I mean, me you're or them. In a terrifying situation. Like, I was terrified and I had already heard them shooting and blowing something up down there. There's no way they're not they're, they're going to come up there to check on my well-being, right? <laughs> right. It's going to be something bad. So, and especially in that part of Oklahoma, it is um very very there's nothing to do there but drugs yeah. and crime. Not a place you want to break down in. <laughs> Basically, really you don't. Okay, so I'm laying there, and I realize that my dog is snoring in my ear. And I'm like... (laughs) Thanks, protector. Well, I'm just like, how did he... When did he go, you know, relax? When did he get chill? You know, and then I realize I don't hear anything anymore. And I don't know how much time has passed. I'd been laying there freaking out, you know... Just pumping with adrenaline. Yeah, and so I'm laying there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they left. Anyway, and then I get a, a call, and it's my friend, and he said, hey, he said, the sheriff is here, you need to come down. So I get down there. They turn on their lights, had one of the deputies walking in front of the cruiser, which I appreciated. And then they made their way to my vehicle. And he said, hey, he's like, um, you know, just want to let you know that, yes, a vehicle was vandalized, but no, it was not yours. They stole a truck, a brand new GMC, dropped it off, shot at it, blew it up, set it on fire, whatever. And then they left. I got in my car, I turned my car on, locked the doors, and I curled up in the back seat with my dog and I slept for an hour because of the adrenaline crash. And then got out of my car, um, went up, broke camp, the fastest I've ever broke camp in my life. I bet. <laughs> and got back in my car and left. I called my husband, told him what, no, I think a video chatted him because I was being a wimp, and told him what happened. Um, he was like, man, that's crazy. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm doing good. And he's like, all right, can you get donuts on the way home? <laughs> Like, he's so chill about stuff. He just, he knows I can handle myself, you know? He doesn't really worry about me. Um, He knows I can handle myself. But anyway, I got home, and I was listening to that recording, and I had finally found the part where it had all happened, and I was listening to it and playing it for my husband, and I was like, listen to this. Oh, my God, like, this is crazy. And you could hear it so much clearer on the recording what had actually happened than what I thought had happened, you know? And um, clearly there was not a Bigfoot attacking people and pushing (laughs) trees down. Anyway, so he was, (laughs) this is, I'm going to end the story after this, I promise. But he was cooking rice, like heating up leftover rice in the microwave while we were listening to this. And he takes the rice out with the lid on it and he goes to shake it up to mix all the rice apart. And the lid pops because of all the built up steam. And when it popped, I hit the deck. (laughs) I had PTSD. I hit the deck. And he ducked and yelled because a piece of rice hit him in the neck and he thought he had gotten (laughs) shot. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, after that, and I, in the woods, I had never really been nervous in the woods camping before that. Um, 
like nervous about people or anything. But after that, to this day, if I'm camping and somebody pulls up or I hear a vehicle or I hear voices, I start getting, I shake and I start having like a panic attack because I just know that they're there to hurt me. So the most terrifying thing to me in the woods or out is people. So what is it about the true crime that really gets your goat going? Is that the right term? Gets your goat going? Nope. Pretty sure that's not the okay, right term. Okay. Well, it is now. Oh. What does it? What What is it about true crime? I don't. I don't know. I just. I. So I'm a psychology major. I should say I'm a psychology major and an empath, and so figuring out what makes people tick. That's that's just what I do uh, naturally. Like serial killers and and just murderers and the victims and all of that just really fascinates me from beginning to end. And do you think whenever it comes to certain crimes, certain behavior in people, that it's sometimes more paranormal than natural. I, I guess the right way to word it is, do you think that evil is its own entity and actually exists? Yes, but in the in refer in reference to true crime or murder, I think wires get crossed, chemicals get imbalanced, um, you know, that goes into nature versus nurture on whether they're raised that way or just inherently evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always believe that there's kind of a scientific reason or a psychological reason as to why they do what they do. So you're all about like the psychological profiling. Basically, yeah. They had yeah. a bologna sandwich for lunch on this day and yeah. that's why they went out and killed this so woman. So basically, yeah, <laughs> they, you know, get, they have a, an untreated mental disorder or they have a history of abuse or uh, maybe they just, you know, are an unnatural weirdo that really digs crime and they want to commit it themselves. Not saying that's me. You know, there's just something in them that is not wired correctly like other people and they go do the thing. I don't really necessarily believe that evil comes into play other than people are just evil sometimes. Um, But I don't I think their choices are bad choices or horrible choices. I don't believe that they're evil choices. Okay. Uh, Do you remember the first uh, true crime incident that got you hooked, that got you interested? I think the first thing that ever fascinated me enough to go find out more about it was the Oklahoma City bombing. And that's just because I am a native Oklahoman. And then I would say the first murder type case that got me started would be when my mom was selected to serve jury duty. It was the first and only time she's ever been selected. And it was the unfortunate case of a child being murdered by a mother's boyfriend and um, the mother's boyfriend, I should say. And I remember my mom coming home and being just, I mean, absolutely distraught. And this is a woman who is brave and strong. And I mean, she is fearless. And she came home just absolutely devastated after this case. And, uh, you know, she didn't tell me until recently that how much that affected her and the um, pictures that they had had seen and the graphic information they had had. I got into true crime stuff at a very early age. Because I had an uncle who was a prominent judge in the state, and someone attempted to kill him. Uh, Well, numerous times, actually, but... This is juicy. One one time in particular, there was an actual bomb planted in his vehicle that did go off, and he almost died from it. Um, That happened whenever my mom was young. She was uh, 
nine years old, I think, and was actually there at the time that it happened. But knowing him and growing up with him kind of as a uh, surrogate father figure in my life, Mm -hmm. I talked to him about it a lot, you know, and the uh, cases that he would try and some of the things that, you know, he encountered as a judge just blew my mind. And uh, I found very interesting. And then whenever I got older, I started getting into like the more famous Mm-hmm. Serial killers, you know, Ted oh, yeah. Bundy, Zodiac Killer, which they just broke yes. a Zodiac code. Holy cow. That's crazy. Did you see that? I did. Weird. Oh, Weird stuff. Phenomenal how they did it. Like, yeah. it's just so random to me. Yeah. I'm and like, um, it would take something crazy like that to happen. But one that really got me uh, because they, they caught him uh, whenever I was older was the uh, BTK killer. Mm-hmm. And the fact of him getting away with it for so long and then being put out in the public spotlight like that, it astounded me who he was mm-hmm. in society outside of being you know, a heinous killer. Yeah. He was just a guy that you would never suspect. Right. They all were. I mean, nobody suspected it. You know, there, there's nothing about this guy. Like, this wouldn't be a guy that I would ever be afraid of mm-hmm. or think, you know, like, well, if he did want to do something bad to me and my family, right. so what? He wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. But he did it time and time and time and time and again, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, then just to get caught so stupidly. But we'll, yeah. we'll cover that we'll at cover some point, I'm sure. Later date. Yeah. But then... Uh, there was another incident that took place that kind of hit home uh, in, in both of our lives, no pun intended, um, that we're actually going to talk about in the next episode. Stay tuned. The uh, Bever family murders. Um, the Bever family murders, they took place in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, which is right in our backyard here. Literally. Literally. You guys stay tuned. It's uh, a familial massacre and pretty big big news anywhere, but especially here in, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Yeah. Not a place where that sort of thing would ever happen. No. Things like that, of that nature, that extreme, those things, not so much here. Not Mm-mm. so much. So, you know, um, that one hit really close to home and it was a big deal and it's, it's pretty heinous. Um, so, well bring that to y'all on the next episode you guys stay tuned i hope you guys have enjoyed everything that we've talked about getting to know your host a little bit before we launch into all the fearful things on this planet this planet fear planet fear we appreciate you guys we hope that you uh like our show we have a lot a lot of content to bring to you guys we have so many topics to cover uh special guests to bring on we are looking forward to talking to you guys about all the fearful things and so if you will hit that like button subscribe follow whatever you're listening on and stay tuned for more from matt and lauren on planet fear on planet fear Go ahead and show us some love on whatever platform you're using to listen. And check out our website, planetfearpodcast.com, for ways to follow us on social media, contact info, and more. 